This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Bet now from anywhere. The Mark Madden Podcast without Mark Madden, obviously, as has been the show here in Pittsburgh. Tim Benz, Tom Offerman, Shirtless Tom and I have been doing the show all week while Mark has been out. Uh, Mark, as you know, is out with a broken jaw after Tom punched him. Um, it's going along with uh, what appears to be a trend around here. Uh, Tom, are you facing criminal charges yet? No, not facing criminal charges, and my lawyers have actually advised me not to talk much about the circumstance. I will say that my hand has been really hurting me the past couple of days. A lot of ice regimen, icy hot on that, you know, mm-hmm. cold compress to warm compress, trying to get that hand. Because, you know, Mark uses his mouth to talk on the air. I use my hand to run the boards for the show. So I'm just as devastated as he is as far as my career is concerned. I feel like I should do the Greg Brady thing here and drop a heavy book to see which hand you reach for to see if you're really a lefty as <laughs> you were shaking out. Yeah, it or not, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Mark will be back on Monday, right? Monday, I think? I believe so, Monday. All right, we'll see if he's back from Vegas. Is he going to catch a game out there? And if so, is Alex Pietrangelo going to hit him in the face with a stick? He was talking about seeing because the... Well, speaking of hands, I guess it wasn't really... <laughs> he hit him in the shoulder or hit him in the wrist? Where did he hit Dreisaitl, actually? It, it, you've seen Goon, right? Yeah. It looked like when Lee Schreiber's character just got mad at the beginning of the movie when they were like kind of emphasizing what kind of player he was. And he just turned around at the guy and took a stick and had a baseball swing towards the back of his head. It was pretty much as close to that as you could get in reality. Somewhere Adam Graves was watching that game saying, Oh, Ooh, Alex, that's a little much. <laughs> I mean, but that's a little over the line. It's kind of like what the NHL has been asking for, right? Because if they're not going to police their own game, then they're just going to ask for a player like Petrangelo to get frustrated towards the end of a blowout and say, Who's been killing us the most this series? Number 29. I'll take myself out of one game via suspension, maybe. He might not even get suspended. If it means taking him out potentially for a game, two games, three games. Like, if the NHL as a league doesn't step in, and they never will, because I don't think they have any intention to, then this stuff's just going to keep happening. Players are going to be emboldened to try to hurt other stars to get the advantage in a playoff series. I think it's happened already. I think it's been part of a trend for years now. Truba and Crosby last year. Go back to Mario and Graves if you really want to, but Truba and Crosby was the latest, biggest example, and... Um, you know, McCarr, what he did to Jared McCann, I don't know if you called McCann a star, but he's certainly played like leading one scorer, yeah. this year for Seattle. And I saw that highlight, and yeah, my head went back to, to Graves. But the thing about that was this the Graves comparison, and I hate to make it sound like I'm defending Adam Graves here because <laughs> that was the dirtiest thing I've ever seen, but 
At least that was in the action of a play. Like, this game was over, yes. and the play was dead, and he swung his stick at him anyway. Yeah, Dreisaitl doesn't even have... Kind of like the McCann thing, where when McCann got boarded by McCarr in the first round, like, McCann was picking himself up, stopping all momentum as far as skating was concerned, kind of getting into coast mode. Kind of the similar thing with Dreisaitl, like, the puck's gone, okay, I'm in the zone now, plays away for me ease up a little bit, coast around the boards, and then, you know, try to get back on the back check. And then he just gets slashed like a lumberjack in the wrists. Do you think, and this will probably come out by the time this podcast is released, but Petrangelo's got to at least get a game, right? I mean, I would the think... optics are just so absurd to not give him any sort of suspension, even for a league like the NHL would be ridiculous. I would think and I would hope they would give him at least a game because it was so egregious. There is the factor that Dreisaitl didn't appear to be hurt, which unfortunately is what yes. the be-all, end-all always seems to be for the NHL. And I, I always get this this time of year, and I got it again uh, for my You Mad Bro Q&A that I get in the trib. Somebody suggesting that the NHL institute a rule that says for as long as a player is out, the player who is the offending party on a legal hit has to sit out the same amount of games. Which, of course, is ridiculous because if it's a lesser player who is taken out by a better player, then the team is going to tell the lesser player to stay hurt for a while. <laughs> you know, like and the example I used is like if the Penguins, and I know it's tough to think about after the way things ended up this season, but if they got back to the playoffs next year and Geno takes out a fourth liner for the Carolina Hurricanes with a borderline hit, maybe that fourth liner has concussion-like symptoms for the rest of the series until the Penguins are eliminated, and then all of a sudden he's magically better for the second round. Yeah, the doc goes into the coach's office before Game 3. He's cleared to play. Ooh, I don't think he is, doc. A little light sensitivity. You might want to give him another look, please. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're you're right about that. You can't do that. It would just set up for teams to to cheat the system like, like you just laid out. I mean, it's really not that hard. I, I don't think to police your league or a, a little bit more than you are right now. Like I'm not asking to, you know, be the model disciplinarian league of all of sports in America and Canada, but just a little bit of effort. And, you know, I know that they don't have anything to do when it comes to, you know, who duels out the punishments, but Mark has been all over the pundits in this playoff run, you know, TNT and, and ESPN, especially kind of, advocating that type of play. Look at the play-by-play last night. Uh, Pietrangelo clearly frustrated. That doesn't make that it okay. That doesn't make it okay. And like I'm saying, you know, they don't have any sway as far as what the league office does, but they do have a sway as far as the public perceives these kind of things. And right now they're pushing a public perception that that's just playoff hockey. You got to be tough if you want to win the Stanley Cup. Stars minus 195 to win tonight. Hurricanes minus 127 to win tonight. If the Hurricanes win, they close out the Devils. If the Stars win, they take a 3-2 lead on the Kraken. Uh, I'm not going to go with the Stars at minus 195. If I bet that game, I'll take the 165 comeback on Seattle or I leave it alone. New Jersey and Carolina, boy, I don't know, it's minus 127. That's not too steep for me for the Hurricanes to close out New Jersey. It's not, but I think the Devils are going to win the game. Just extend it? I I think they're going to extend the series, yeah. I do think it's over. I think the Hurricanes getting the win in in Game 4 was pretty much the icing on the cake, but I bet you the Devils, because, you know, Mark and a lot of people drew the comparison to the, the first or Crosby playoff year with the Penguins with the Devils this year. Like maybe they're just not ready. 
then they beat the Rangers in round one. So you're wondering, oh, maybe they are ready. And now they've run into, I think, their brick wall with the Hurricanes. A lot of pride on that team and a lot of skill. So I bet they win tonight. I'd take the Kraken tonight. Uh, the Kraken to me, on paper, the Stars are probably the best team in that series. But the Kraken just are relentless and so deep. And the way that Grubauer has been holding his own in the net, I think that was a, a big question mark for them. Would he, you know, fold like he did in Colorado? And he really hasn't yet. So I'm interested to see if he can kind of keep pace with Ottinger because the Kraken, I think, are playing the best, you know, four-line hockey of anybody in the playoffs right now. They can roll all four lines and not have much of a drop-off between one and four. And really, that's probably more so the fact that their number one line isn't exactly great. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they have a bunch of superstars out there to make their one, number one line that much better than their fourth. But their balance is incredible. I think they can make it to the cup, don't you? Now I do. I wouldn't have thought that before. <laughs> Uh, I think that if they run into Edmonton in the second round, yeah, that the team. Edmonton offense will eventually buzzsaw them down. I'm still picking the Dallas Stars to win that series. I'm just not going to take minus 195 That's odds. That's fair. Um, you know, if I go with the odds tonight, I go with the Kraken at a plus 165 payoff, which in a 50-50 kind of series, that feels pretty juicy to me. It does. Maple Leafs minus 175 to extend the series tomorrow. Vegas... Um, at home is now a plus 112 underdog. If you want to take the Oilers, they're at minus 130. I wonder if they're hedging a little bit on the Pietrangelo suspension. Um, I'm not so sure the Maple Leafs extend the series. I mean, that was still a 2-1 game, and they were holding on for dear life at the end. That's just the thing, Tim. Last night, for the, we're recording this on Thursday, so they played Wednesday night game four in Sunrise. They needed to win like 6 to nothing, 6-2. to two. Like something that's like, okay... We're going to finally break through because that's still what now six games in a row where they haven't reached more than two goals in a game. Kind of like the Pirates, <laughs> exactly like the Pirates. Like, so it wasn't a game where you're looking at the Leafs and you're saying, "Okay, they woke up, they realize they're much better than Florida." Bob kind of turned back into a pumpkin a little bit. They can win the next three games in a row and, and take this series. You didn't get that kind of confidence at all. Like you said, you kind of were waiting for Florida to score that last-minute goal like they have had a knack for in these playoffs, get it to overtime, and then end the series there. And it's almost like it's harder for Toronto to play in Toronto than it is for them to play on the road. Like, in front of their own home fans, that's going to be such a pressure cooker. If Florida can get the first goal, oh my God, that place is just going to be a nightmare. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think... You know, people are trying to drum up this, oh, Toronto has the skill to make it to seven games and then anything can happen in game seven. I, I think it is over in game five in Toronto. Is the safest bet in sports right now under the individual team total for the Pittsburgh Pirates in every game? It's amazing. Just They've been under four yeah. runs every game for 10 games in a row now. Yesterday was the first time they managed to get above two. Um, had they not, that ties. <laughs> and they did it by one. They, they got did to it three. by one. <laughs> a one swing from Andrew McCutcheon, and that was it. They're hitting 181 as a team over the last 10 games. Had they not gotten a third run yesterday, it would have been 10 straight games, and it would have been a franchise record. So that ends up staying tied at nine games, but still pretty pathetic. Uh, the pitching hasn't been there enough. The hitting has been atrocious. Uh, the base running, they're running themselves into outs now. When that used to be a strength, now it's becoming a problem for them. They're gambling a little bit too much. That decision to have Brian Reynolds go from third base yesterday, he's a fast guy, and he looked like he had a refrigerator on his back, and that center fielder has a gun. And it was not a very deep 
fly ball out of hand at all. Very questionable. And he went back and had a, it was, looked like he was leaning back with his momentum. Didn't have momentum going forward yet. Look, he just got his extension, but there's been some very questionable managerial decisions from Derek Shelton. Now that people are starting to pay attention a little bit more to that kind of things because the team is competitive and, and in first place. Uh, there was another play yesterday, and, and I'm going to bring this example up, knowing that the Pirates did get out of it only yielding one run. But the game was tied at three. I think it was in the seventh inning. And the Rockies were threatening, I believe, with the bases loaded and nobody out. And Shelton brings the infield in. And I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. But at the same time, don't you want a double play here? You'll give up one run. And you should think your offense with nine outs to play with can scratch one run together. Brings the infield in. Routine double play to the shortstop just gets rocketed by him. Run scores and you don't get the out. Now, they did get out of the inning only giving up that run. But it's not the first time he's made those questionable decisions, bringing infields in a little early just to try to, you know, save one run when, I mean, you're kind of just telling the other team you have no confidence in your lineup if you're doing that, especially against a team like the Rockies. Like you're not playing the Rays or, or the Orioles, who you'll be playing this weekend, who have an unbelievable bullpen. Like, you should be able to scratch together another run against the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, they're the second-best team in the American League. I, I know. And the like, Pirates who built that... 28 record largely against teams that aren't any good have now run into a the Dodgers and the Red Sox were the only decent teams yeah, and the Red Jets. Sox were not playing well no, when they, they played not. against them then neither were the Dodgers quite frankly You're right they all got hot after the Pirates and now they, even like the Rockies are hot when the Pirates played them and the only team like I guess you could take solace in they haven't played their own division enough and their own division stinks. Like, no one's gaining all that much That's ground on them. That's the craziest part about it. Like, like, you know, Milwaukee's lost 8 of 10, while the Pirates have lost 9 of 10. They're 1 and 9 in their last 10 games, and you look up on MLB.com, and you're still sitting in first place in the Central. It's sort of like when, you know, the Steelers were 2 and 6 at the bye, and you looked up, and, eh, they got a pretty good shot of getting <laughs> at least... New life until the last week of the season. That's what happened. You kind of were talking about this saying, you know, the lineup stinks. They're making errors. The pitching hasn't been great. We kind of expected the pitching to be like this, though, right? Like, it's the lineup really going to, to Sucksville and the, the fielding errors really yeah. going to Sucksville that's hurting them. And, and it's kind of an anomaly. But it's also kind of so Pittsburgh Pirates that, you know, they were playing, I don't want to say to a T fundamental baseball. There were still errors there. But they were playing some pretty damn good, you know, we aren't the most talented team, so we have to be almost perfect to win these games in the month of April. And it's like it all just went away in the month of May. It's like a, a circus out there. Again, they're booting the ball all over the infield. I mean, in yesterday's game, they're, they're up 3-1. to one. Rich Hill has a little blooper in front of him to get that third out. He can't even pick the ball up. And then you give them extra outs One and end up tying the game. Pet peeves in sports is when the pitcher makes the big error and it's an unearned run. I hate right, that. like uh, Rich Hill was, that. It was his fault that he the game was tied yesterday, but according to the score sheet, you're right, it's not. The O'Neill Cruz injury, I think, is catching up to them. I mean, he at least wins one or two of these close, low scoring games with. He's got a couple more home runs, right? Yeah, yeah. and I think that Rodolfo Castro has made some errors at shortstop, and I'm not trying to make. O'Neill Cruz to be Ozzie Smith at shortstop, but he would have made a, a couple more plays, I think, than Castro has. Do I have to worry about over 67 and a half, or am I okay there? God, I, I feel like logically I should still tell you you're okay there because they have 21 wins, but you want to talk about just deflating the room with their past week and some change performance. I mean, I had some... I, I Hosting for Madden on Tuesday, it was after Mitch Keller's complete game shutout, and I was like... 
that's a great way to end the losing streak. Any way to end a losing streak is great, but you get a little confidence because at least maybe you have that ace, maybe you have that stopper that will not have prolonged losing streaks happen throughout the year. And then they just went to crap right after and the we're Mitch back Keller to the game. Same I know. Conversation like, again already. When's Henry Davis coming up? What's well, his service time? Well, don't you think time? that's ridiculous too? People pounding the table for like prospect reinforcements, like. This year was always going to be 2012, if anything. The year before the years. And just because they got out to this crazy hot start, I think people kind of were like, well, maybe it can be 2013. And they were always going to come down to earth, crashing this hard down to earth. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But for God's sakes, like, why would you bring a prospect up and potentially ruin his progression just to try to save a team that's not going to go anywhere anyway? Let him marinate, bring him up next year. Welcome to the NFL in 2023. The Lions are opening the season. Is that who they decided it was going to be? Lions the game? and Chiefs to open Oy. the season. That's one of the scheduled Oy. leak releases. At this point, as Tom and I are recording, it's still limited on the Steelers front. We've only found out one game for the scheduled release. It's the Packers game in Week 10. It'll be here in Pittsburgh, a 1 o'clock game on CBS. One of the Thanksgiving Day Slots is soaked up because the Packers' whole schedule got leaked, um, according to The Athletic anyway, and they'll be playing the Lions, so there's only two spots potentially there for the one spot, actually, for the Steelers to land in. Right. Um, So that's hopeful, encouraging. Uh, they've already gotten the three spots soaked up on Christmas, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> We're looking for the holidays to go off the board here. Folks. Why can they do a Black Friday game this year, but they couldn't do the Friday game at Acrisure Stadium against the Raiders? Why? You mean when the the temperature was so cold? Well, it's gonna be cold either night. It was freezing either night. But, but it my was point, better on but Friday. It was not night. Christmas Eve. Do <laughs> it on the twenty third. It was a Friday. Like you know, this is a Friday. Why didn't they do it then? Everybody thought the first Friday game was gonna be that one. Now they're doing it on a Black Friday for the Jets and the Miami Dolphins. It's just another in the step of the NFL trying to have a game on every day of the week at some point through the season. And Tim, what I'm interested in is what they do with the Christmas game moving forward because. You know, they've really just recently tried to take Christmas Day from the NBA, and of course they've done it successfully. Monday Night Football this year is Christmas Day. Yes, last year it was Sunday, so makes sense, you know, normal days that football's played. When it goes to Tuesday of the year after, when it goes to Wednesday of the year, are we going to have Tuesday Night Football, well, Wednesday Night Football on Christmas Day? You have to, right? Blame and the Steelers and Ravens. You, you would have to assume... You mean for the COVID year? Blame for the, the COVID Steelers year, Ravens, they figure out they could oh, do it. Oh, we could do this. And you know the schedule makers will do something creative where they'll be like, okay, Christmas on a Wednesday, let's have both of those teams, or let's have one of those teams play Thursday that week and maybe have a bye for the other one so that way they're rested on that Wednesday night game. I don't know how you work it out, but it's absolutely what's going to happen. They're not just going to say, we're done with Christmas until it comes back around to Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. Uh, were you puzzled by the Arthur Millette thing? As I was, the whole contract thing with him? Yeah, a little bit. I think, you know, people are overblowing it somewhat, but I don't know, like... What's the misunderstanding about a contract? I've never heard that before. And why do you have to grant that that guy his release? You know what I mean? Like, is he really going to be a problem child in your locker room if, you know, he doesn't get what he wants? I mean, hell, he might not even make the team anyway, but you might as well keep him around for training camp. But, you know, they went out and they got Shandon Sullivan. Again, I'm not saying that he's the end-all, be-all there, but at least it's someone that can project to slide into that nickel spot. I've seen people talk about maybe bumping Patrick Peterson onto the inside when you go into that nickel package and have him play the slot. So uh, that room, I think, is deep enough now that you can get away with releasing a player like that. 
But what does Mollett really think he, he's going to get out of this? He, he's going to go to another team and pretty much find himself in almost the exact same position, I have to imagine. I think he thought he'd get more money if he was allowed to be released earlier in the process. Now he's probably going to have to play for the veteran minimum. minimum. Exactly. So, it, But it I don't was, know if he would have otherwise. I think you know a guy that's got 45% of the snaps in that defense, a good special teams player, maybe he gets a little bit more. But you, he'll catch on somewhere. You he'll believe. catch on. Yeah, I, I mean, just don't think he'll get what he was getting here now or what he wanted or thought he could get if he was extended or if he was released earlier in the process. But do you agree with me? Not It is peculiar, but nothing that you should be worried about. I just wonder if this about. is the first time we've seen some sort of disconnect between what Colbert said and what Khan wants to do. What do you mean? Like, I wonder if there was a handshake between Mollett Colbert and Colbert, and, Mollett, and, and then it wasn't communicated directly to Khan. Things are changing based on what they want to want their defensive back room to look like and Mullet didn't sign up for that. Right. Well, I mean, you're getting paid close to millions of dollars to suck it up and deal with oh, that yeah. kind of I, stuff. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, maybe they just see more value. Maybe they just see more value in one to $1.7 million of cap space than right. they do having and, a pouty player that wasn't that great in coverage. And that's the thing. If you look at it from the Steelers' perspective, they obviously had no real reservations on letting him go or else they would have kept him. The other thing about it is, like, I don't see the need to keep trying to find the next Mike Hilton. You know, I'd rather see linebackers who can cover than defensive back backs who are good at the line of scrimmage against the run. Yes, 100%. Um, it's a luxury to have a, a corner that can do that in today's NFL. I want corners covering receivers. I want linebackers covering receivers. That That's how you win in 2023. I mean, again, having a, a run stuffer, a, a blitz guy coming from that position, it, it can help you for sure. But... Do you think Patrick Mahomes would rather have to deal with a Mike Hilton coming free with him on the blitz and exploit that or someone in the slot that's going to take Travis Kelsey out seven right. times out of ten? Uh, last thing here, Tom. Uh, we just got a couple minutes left. We are 21 minutes into this podcast, and we have yet to use any homophobic slurs or offend anybody who's Catholic. It's a good so job we're, by We're us. miles ahead of Bob Huggins already. What was a million dollar in salary reduction? sensitivity training which every time i hear that i just i don't know you, you, I, i'm not belittling that kind of thing because it is important to have well, that well i am because i think it's bs that it, he's going to even it, go they through it always use it as a cop out right like that's just the classic thing like well he's going to get training like well maybe he should have searched out for training in the first place if he felt he needed to he's improve himself need some sensitivity training to coach Jesse Edwards anyway so <laughs> that's right they're big transfer from Syracuse <laughs> The sports you can't world. Fire, fire Huggins, you're getting Jesse that's Edwards. A, I was just going to say, the sports world is a dirty world, my friend. You know that more than anyone, probably. I mean, if he didn't have as good of a recruiting transfer class as he did, do you think that there might be a, not a firing, but a, hey, come into the office and maybe we resign? See, Bob? I know, uh, having watched Jesse Edwards for many years now at Syracuse, that he's a really good player. He's an intriguing player. I think he's also going to drive Huggins insane. Oh, I mean... Because he, he gets pushed out. He does His size that he has, he doesn't always use to his advantage. And I think Huggins will be driven crazy by both that. Times so you played, this could come in handy. Yes, both, this could come in handy. Both times you played Pitt last year, he was the best player on the court. When he wanted to be, but it wasn't for a full 40 minutes. He just, he allows himself to get pushed out from the basket. I think that's something that Huggins is going to hate. But anyway, back to the more germane topic, and that is whether or not this was an appropriate punishment. I wouldn't have fired him. I might have suspended him more than three BS games before an MTE tournament where he gets a free trip to Florida. 
out of, out of they, West Virginia. They kept him for the pit game too, right? Like he's or is he out for that game as no, well? No, I think well, Pitt's not one of the first three. That's right. They pushed him back into the schedule a little bit this year, as opposed to so you're not even having him sit out against your rival. I mean, yeah, there's I mean, he's not coaching against three mid-major teams, small. That's not much teams. of a punishment. That's that's a punishment where you can say, you know, to the public, oh, we're punishing him, but behind closed doors, it's like, we can get away with those three games without Bob Huggins. We'll be fine. They essentially bought themselves out of it by making sure that Huggins' money went to that LGBTQ The donation to Xavier, right? Plus, yeah. Yeah. Group. But, which, again, that just... Wait, did it go to Xavier's? I thought it was a, an LGBTQ plus group at the University of Xavier, like a program that they have. Oh, I thought it was at, at West Virginia's campus. Maybe both. It, it honestly should be both, to be honest with uh, you. Well, I mean, whatever, the, whatever the case because was. Because that, 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 in West Virginia side, the LGBTQ plus community was calling for his job. Did he have to give any money to the Pope? That's the other thing that I thought too, Tim. Like, <laughs> everybody obviously went to the LGBTQ side as they should have and expecting their outrage, which is rightful to be outraged. But I was also wondering, like, about the Catholic side of it too, because I was like, they could be an ornery bunch as well. Like, I'm sure they didn't really appreciate their name I'm being Catholic thrown in the front I'm of that. <laughs> like, I was expecting him to get it more from that side uh, as well as the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, they bought themselves out of any controversy with the LGBTQ community by making sure the money went there. But in a way wouldn't they have been just buying themselves out of controversy from the social media mob if they fired him by literally buying him out? Like, one way or another, you're buying yourself out of controversy. So I think what they did was smart was, you know, you sort of offset the anger that would have been channeled at the LGBTQ uh, student body at, at, at either campus, you know, honestly, either campus, um, because if he's fired at West Virginia, who do you think the West Virginia fans are going to be mad at? The or the university. For well, the university, him. sure, but also those who are protesting or those who are saying that he should be fired. They're and that's claim, directly the LGBTQ right. community. You're right about that. And then how ugly could that get? Very ugly. And so if you're maybe in it's charge, a good thing that they didn't yeah, go down that road. They exactly. avoided that kind of you know crap storm. If you're in charge of the university, then your best interest is the university. And if there's not that much interest in having him fired, and you're catering to what would be a minority audience there that then might find themselves in their own crap storm against the majority who would be mad at them, uh, maybe they went about this the right way. And it is kind of tricky that it's his last year, or assume that it's his last year, right? Like, if this was a guy that you still expected to be there for, like, the next decade, maybe that gets a little hairier, right? Like, maybe you have to think well, about it a little Well, that's one thing I said. Like, what if he's 50 and this happens? What if he's 16 exactly. and this happens? And like, he gets fired, and, uh, you know, a year goes by, and then somebody else decides to hire him. Well, look is at Chris Beard. What? I mean, I know it's a different thing that he did, but still egregious act that he was accused of. He was hired, what, three weeks after he was fired from Texas? Is this a situation where it's it would have been okay for Huggins to get a second job because we just pat ourselves on the back here in America and are proud of ourselves for second chances? Like, it's okay to give him a second chance somewhere else, but he has to get fired first? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's probably how it would shake out, right? Because there like would... Like, if he's not fit to be, to be a leader of young men, as people are saying... Because the onus there is also on the universities to not hire him, and you know that there's just going to be too much temptation there right. if he was a 50-year-old Bob Huggins to, you know, say a program like Cincinnati, 
know, we've been kind of spinning our tires a little bit lately. The greatest coach in our school's history. Bob, all is forgiven. Come on back down to Cincinnati. Come home, Bob, and we'll take care of you. Like, that would probably have happened had he had more of, you know, runway left in his career than just this year. He's fists of fury, shirtless Tom. I am Tim Benz. Uh, I will be back with my own podcast for the Bet Rivers Network, the Pittsburgh City Cast, on Tuesday. Mark will have his podcasts on Tuesday and Thursday next week as well. Bet Rivers, download the app today or go to Bet Rivers online and bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.